welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. thinking like that uh, around here. Well, today is my second last sermon in the Book of Romans. And some of you are really excited about that. And I have to admit, I'm a bit excited too. But I also uh, hope by the end of the message today that you understand why we have gone through the Book of Romans, why this matters. I heard about a church in this city that started the Book of Romans in September. And... uh, they grumbled about how long the series was. It ended last week. Uh, We've managed to stretch this out for almost four years. Our last message in the Book of Romans will be on the last weekend of this year. If you're around and you're in the city, it's Sweater Sunday, wear your Christmas sweater for either the Saturday service or the Sunday service here. Those are the only services we're running. Um, and uh, we'll wrap this good book up on that weekend. So Romans chapter 16, uh, verses 17 to 20. Let's read it together. I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience is reached to all, therefore I'm rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent and what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Two commands in this portion. And uh, the first command is uh, keep your eye, watch out for people 
who cause dissensions and hindrances. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances. What are we supposed to do with those who cause dissensions and hindrances? We have to have our eyes wide open. We can't turn a blind eye towards them. We have to recognize them. We have to identify them. Because if you let them run wild in the church, it's going to always cause dissension and it's always going to cause hindrances in the body of Christ. That simple. Got to keep your eyes wide open. And there's a key word here uh, that we need to pay attention to. What are we watching for? Contrary to the teaching, uh, New American Standard language, King James Version uses the word doctrine. Williams Version uses the word instruction. Doctrine matters. And people who are teaching false doctrine, teaching things that are not true, uh, we need to keep our eyes open towards them. When you go flying now and land in a foreign country, or you've been in a foreign country and you land in an airport, one of the first things you now are almost always met with is a bunch of sniffing dogs. And they're sniffing. And they're smelling to see if anybody's trying to bring drugs into their country because they don't want drugs in their country, and rightfully so. And friends, our, our sniffers need to be on. Our eyes need to be wide open towards false teaching in the body of Christ. Need to be very alert to it. First command is watch out for people who cause dissensions and hindrances. And the second command is always avoid false teachers. Always avoid them. New American Standard Version. Uh, turn away from them. King James Version says, avoid them. Williams Version, uh, great translation, but one of my favorites, actually, but didn't catch on in the marketing realm, and I don't even think they publish it anymore, but always avoid them. So not just avoid them, but always avoid them. Revised Standard Version, avoid them. What do you do with false teachers? You always avoid them. <laughs> you always avoid them. 
I don't listen to the radio a whole lot, but sometimes the radio will put out traffic advisories that may sound something like this. Avoid Circle Drive. There's an accident on Circle Drive Bridge. Avoid it while you're driving today. If you're smart, you'll avoid Circle Drive Bridge. Because if you don't avoid Circle Drive, you're going to end up wasting a big pile of time. And you're probably going to eventually get so tired of it, you're going to have to weasel your way out of it and try to find some other way to get where you're going because you didn't do what they said. You didn't avoid Circle Drive Bridge. And a lot of people struggle in their faith because they haven't been careful in terms of letting uh, a discerning who they should be letting speaking into their lives. Always avoid false teachers. Always. Always. False teachers can wreck your life and they can wreck your church. They're over there theologically. You are here. You stay here. Don't go there. Avoid them. Now, Scripture, of course, is not always simple. And unless you're willing to grapple with the difficulties of Scripture, uh, you can get really confused in how you handle things. So about six weeks ago, I spent about six weeks before the six weeks ago telling you not to avoid each other. And now we're being told to avoid them, avoid the false teachers. Who aren't we supposed to avoid? Well, if there's somebody in the church who has the audacity to believe that Christians can eat meat, you're not supposed to avoid them. If you have this deep-rooted conviction that God is pleased with you and will only be pleased with you if you spend your life eating carrots and lettuce, carrots and lettuce, carrots and lettuce, and Wednesdays are special because you get a radish, <laughs> carrots and lettuce, carrots and lettuce, carrots and radish, carrots, and you have a deep conviction that that's how you're supposed to live, that's good. And we bless you in it, and we embrace you in it, and we love you in your carrots and lettuce. Hope I'm not offending anybody. <laughs> but don't you dare say, I'm not fellowshipping with him. I saw him at the restaurant, and he ate a 12-ounce steak. <laughs> and he calls himself a Christian. We don't avoid one another over cultural preferences. We embrace one another with different convictions about the best way to celebrate Christmas. We embrace people who think 
uh, not having a Christmas tree in your home is the right way to celebrate Christmas. We honor you for that conviction. But you embrace those who don't share that conviction. We don't avoid one. But the people we do avoid, we stay far away from, we always avoid them, is false teachers. So how do you recognize false teachers? I don't think when Paul uh, decided to write to the church in Rome, he'd never been there, that he thought for 2,000 years that the book of Romans would be kind of the theological constitution of the church. If you really want to know the big picture of what the church believes, the book of Romans is, is a great place. I don't think he ever thought that's what would happen. But we've been in the book of Romans, and hopefully you've picked up a few things. And so let me just take, and, and this is not covering everything by any stretch of the imagination, but remind you of some of the stuff that is true and we, not to, we need to stand firm on. And if somebody is saying otherwise, we need to choose to avoid them. Because it'll take you nowhere good. You'll get stuck somewhere in your faith and you'll have a lot of trouble figuring out how to get out of the traffic jam. So the first thing uh, taught in Romans that I want to draw your attention to is there's one true God Revealed to us through creation and Jesus Christ. We live in a pluralistic society that is suggesting that there are many paths to God and you just kind of get out there and find whatever works for you. Make whoever, whatever you want to be your God, your God. It's preaching in India, a crowd of about 10,000 people, and, and I had noticed that a lot of trucks and vehicles in India have lemons hanging over their hood ornament in front of their radiator, and I asked, why are these people got lemons hanging over their hood ornament over the radiator? And, and I was told that uh, people who have a lemon hanging over their radiator, they had chosen the lemon as their god. And so that night, I, I thought I was anointed. I decided to preach on my god is not a lemon. And my god is not a lemon. But I was preaching away for about 45 minutes. And when I was done, my interpreter said, I didn't say a word you said. If I'd said it, we both would have been shot. There's a culture out there that wants to choose whoever and whatever they want to be their God. But let it be clear, in this place, in this church, this sanctuary, the neighborhood church, that there is only one God. And Jesus 
is revealed to us to help us understand him. Jesus is God. Creation reveals him. The only true God is Almighty God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one God, and he is the way, and he is the truth. The very fallacy or idea that there are gods out there. If you think about it, it's ludicrous. God means sovereign in charge, the one who, who's God. How can there be a bunch of gods? There's only one God. And we stand for that unashamedly. It's the gospel. It's the truth. Second thing we've picked up is man was created in a perfect state but rebelled against God and sin created a fallen state. On our own, apart from Christ, we do not get better and better and better. Because of sin, we are messed up people. Because of sin, we are messed up people. And the answer to the world does not lie in us. The answer to the world is in him. Thirdly, Jesus came to restore us to a perfect and righteous state before God. So sin has destroyed us, sin has messed us up, but Jesus came, and when you become a follower of Christ, you invite Christ to lead your life, forgive your sins, uh, control the decisions of your life. When you make that decision, God begins to restore you to a perfect and righteous state, and we are being made into the very image of God. We were made in the image of God. We fell from that, and Jesus is in the business right now of restoring us to the perfect image of God. Messed up people looking more and more like Jesus every day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Paul. You're good for us. Bless you. Number four, the righteousness God has given us needs to be practiced in our daily lives. The righteousness God has given us needs to be practiced in our daily life. This Christianity is not just saying a simple prayer, Lord, I accept you into my heart, I give you my life, and then we go out and we live however we feel like it. We pursue uh, being made into the image of God, practicing righteousness in our lives, doing things that honor him in a way that honors him. And fifthly, there is life after death and eternal judgment. Uh, this, my friends, whether you live to be 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, this, my friends, is not all there is. This is not all there is. There's eternal life. We are eternal beings. We were made in God's original plan to live forever. This is not all there is. 
And those who say, oh, this is it, and then you're gone, just, just like everything, just like the cow dies, you die, uh, they're false teachers. We have a life that goes on forever, and when we leave this earth, we're going to stand before Almighty God, and we're going to give account for our decisions, and we're going to give account for our actions. There is eternal judgment. So not only... Do we live forever? There is eternal judgment when we leave this earth. So if you run into somebody who is trying to teach you things that are contrary to this, and, and the list could be longer and probably should be longer, but if you run into somebody who's teaching you stuff that is contrary to this, what do you do? You go back for the second Bible study. No! No! Please! Always avoid them. If you don't avoid them, you're going to get your life stuck somewhere and you're going to wonder why you're going nowhere. Always avoid them. So two commands. Watch out for people who cause dissensions and hindrances. Always avoid false teachers. Turn away from them. Always avoid them. So why are these commands important? Why are these commands important? Number one, uh, the command is important because false teachers create dissension. False teachers create dissension. <laughs> When false teachers become a voice in your life and become a voice in your church, this spirit of dissension rises up in the house. And it's dishonoring for, to God. God's heart is that we would be one even as Jesus and the Father are one. It's dishonoring to let dissension continue. Teachers who create dissension continue to... So if somebody's in here and is saying there's no how, what are you going to do? Always avoid them. If it doesn't line up with God's word, don't explore it with them. See, the devil's not too bright. The devil doesn't have a really big toolbox. And where did his whole system start in Genesis chapter 3? What does he come up to Eve and say? Hath God said. Did God really mean that? Do you think God really meant what you think you think he thought? Has God really said? Has God really, do you really believe a loving God would make a hell? Has God really said that? That's how he does things. Has God said? And it creates dissension. Because we're no longer rooted and grounded in truth. This instruction matters because false teachers create 
dissension. Romans 16, 17, they cause dissension and hindrances. Number two, it matters because false teachers deceive the unsuspecting. Listen to Romans 16, verse 18. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. How do they do that? By smooth and flattering speech. Here's, here, here's why this is so difficult for us, friends. Often, the people who can hurt us the most are the nicest people. They're so winsome. They're so easy to listen to. They have this capacity, this ability to flatter us. Avoid them. Avoid them. Always avoid them. And the third reason this command matters is because false teachers are not serving Jesus. They've got their own agenda. They want to be recognized. They want to be in control. They want to want people to say they're wonderful. They want to get so good they get a TV program. And then they get a TV program and they will sell you water for 150 bucks. Just a small little bottle if you'll send them a nice big... They're going to send you water. Holy, well, it's holy, it's from their, it's from their bathroom sink. <laughs> but it's holy because it's been prayed over before he ships it or she ships it to you. And unsuspecting people gobble this up. Be alert, friends. Be alert, be aware, because the God they're serving is not the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. The God they're serving, Romans 16, 18, is their own appetite. I'm at the point in my life where Sundays and Saturdays scare me to death. For fear anything rises up in my heart that wants or needs or desires the attention and the recognition of man. Friends, it has to all be about him. All of it. Here's the problem. If we don't make truth the foundation of our church, you say truth isn't going to be how we decide how we're going to live. Truth isn't going to be decide how we handle decisions in our church. If you take truth out of the equation, do you know what always takes over? Power always takes over. 
So you're no longer led by truth, you're led by the person who has the most might. person who can speak the loudest, sometimes the most flattering speaker. person who refuses to give in. And you become a church led by might and politics and controlling people. We, my friends, God being our helper, are not going to be that kind of church. We're going to have a deep commitment to truth. So, let's end with, first of all, a promise and a prayer. The promise here is Satan has been defeated, is being defeated, and will be defeated. Romans 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And Paul's never been to Rome, and Paul's given all of this destruction, instruction, destruction, all of this instruction to the church. And now he's at the end, and he says, but I want you to be aware there's some people who may creep in, and they'll try to get you off path here. They'll try to get you off track here. They'll get you stuck in a traffic jam somewhere, believing stuff you're not supposed to believe. This is the good news, is God's got this. And God will soon crush Satan under your feet. And when Eve listened to the false teaching of the serpent in the Garden of Eden, and he came in and said, did God really mean? You sure God meant that? I don't think God really meant that. Eve, think about it. Why would God not you want to eat you? All the other trees he made, he made that one too. How could that be a bad tree? And she ate of it. And sin entered the world. And God met Satan right away in the garden. And he says, man, you're in deep doo-doo now. Her child, her offspring, is going to crash you under his feet. And God will always rule and reign victorious in his church. God will always rule and reign victorious in his church. But, and, he'll, and he'll crush them and defeat them in the corners and areas of your life. Here's what you need to do to protect yourself. Don't build too many situations in your life where God has to do, come in and do some crushing. And how do you avoid him having to come in and crush things for you? Just do what he says. And the times in our life where there's a lot of repairing that's had to be done are the times when we said, well, yeah, God said it, but I'm an exception. And we've all been there probably once or twice. So there's the promise, and here's the prayer. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So I was up early this morning and thinking and praying and saying, God, I preached this last night, but is there anything that 
I need to say tomorrow, this morning, that I may have missed. And God said to me, think about what that verse doesn't say. And there's a lot of things it doesn't say, but I want to point this out to you. It doesn't say the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is wonderful. Mercy is wonderful. Thank God his mercies are new every morning. But do you know what it means if it said the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you? Do you know what that means? May the removal of all punishment be with you. That's beautiful. God has set you free from the power and punishment of death and sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But that's not what this verse says. It doesn't say the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The abounding kindness of God. The unmerited favors of God. The overwhelming blessings of God be with you. God hasn't just, and his heart for you is not just to say, okay, I'm not going to get even. God's desire and heart and passion for every one of you in this sanctuary this afternoon is to experience the overwhelming, unmerited, undeserved blessing and favor of God in your life. I think that's powerful. We get to the end of the book, and Paul says this, and he's going to say it one more time, but you'll have to come back at the end of the month to hear it. He's going to say it one more time yet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The blessing of God, the overwhelming favor of God, the unexplainable, ununderstandable goodness of God resting on your life. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.